It was the help of strangers that got Braden Matika to the hospital after the 25-year-old was shot in the back of the head. It went in and went along my skull and came out about three inches later. He and his girlfriend Amanda were among the thousands attending a concert in Las Vegas when bullets started raining down. That America is a place where all things are possible. That is some group of people, thousands. Describe as a demon. I hate you, naturally. No, 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 not God bless America. God damn America, that's in the Bible. Welcome to Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back. This is your boy, Dan White Hodge. And wow, if you're listening to this, a couple different things. One, welcome to Profane Faith. Um, this is a podcast that releases usually once a week. And this week uh, was a little different. Uh, given the tragedy that has happened in Las Vegas. So, um, you know, um, we can only do what we can do. And one of the one of the cogs in the wheel that I do is this podcast. And and of course, I'm an educator, um, but I knew I had to, I wanted to do something. I mean, and obviously, I'm you know, I can't get down to Las Vegas. I, um, you know, I, I, I don't know any of the victims. And so, I you know, I can't necessarily send stuff directly so i figured well let's get a a special podcast together and have a discussion about what's happening in our country in regards to mass shootings and mass killings um and i'd originally you know planned on having um one podcast with uh, two different voices but i the the conversation is just so broad and complex that it's just it's almost impossible to try to, you know, to dress, just do one. So with that in mind, um, I invited two friends and colleagues of mine who are great thinkers, but not only that, they are active on the ground in their respective communities. And, um, they think through these things, um, uh, when they happen and not only do they think through them, but they're also searching. They're in this, this particular place where they're trying to figure out like man what the heck do we do here uh in 2017 and you know it's becoming a national it's really becoming a national epidemic I mean it's it's an ongoing thing it's like I woke up on Monday morning and you know I I, as, as a lot of people I have my my little device next to me and you know I check it just to see okay what's the weather gonna be like what do I need to plan for and I was seeing these headlines that said, you know, it's, uh, you know, this the worst mass killing in the U.S. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, that was Pulse in Orlando. And, you know, that that happened a while back. And I mean, you know, maybe we had, but then, it, then somebody, another headline popped up and said, no, it's in Las Vegas. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. This is another one. And it didn't necessarily surprise me, though, as much is it caught me by, oh, man, here we go. And so I don't want to spend a lot of time just, you know, setting this up other than to say we got a lot to process. And I think we got as a country here in the United States, we have a lot to contend with. We have we have aspects of violence that we have never dealt with. Um, and this country was formed in violence and for those of you who are kind of like, oh, Dan, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I want to push back on the mythological narrative that has this thing of the United States being in this in, the, in such a great light in that somehow we, you know, we were this enlightened nation. It's like, no, if you're a person of color, this country has been hostile from day one. And it's there is there is a deep seated, deep connection to violence, bloodshed in this country. And that's something that we haven't necessarily reckoned with as a whole, as society. I think we cover it up. 
I think it's like a family member that is like a, a, a user or some kind of an addict and we just want to cover it up. We're just like, no, no, no. But, you know, they do all these other things and, oh, man, you know, they got money. And so, you know, I don't want to I don't want to, you know, I don't want to necessarily have to go and and, you know, have to do all that, you know, with them. So uh, let's just let's just ignore it. Right. <laughs> and I don't think we can no longer ignore it. I really don't. And so I don't have answers. I really don't. Um, I'm I'm I'm. <laughs> You know, as as a black man living in this country, you know, and I'm afforded some privileges now as a male, as somebody with a Ph.D., as somebody who is tenured, as somebody who, you know, lives in an, in, a, in a pretty decent community. Right. I, you know, so I recognize those things. And so um, I want to be careful in navigating those spaces um, that I don't sit from an armchair and just say, well, we should all be doing this. Right. No, but I also believe that we should that in in true regard i think that we have some real deep seated problems in this country and i don't necessarily have the answers on what that looks like in getting out of those problems i really don't i really don't and um that's why I wanted to bring two friends on. So this first part um, is part one. Uh, I hope you can stay around and, and listen to part two. This first part is with my good friend and colleague, uh, Dr. Andre Johnson. Dr. Andre Johnson is an assistant professor of communication studies, excuse me, out at the University of Memphis. Dr. E. Andre E. Johnson joined the Department of Communication at the University of Memphis in 2015. He teaches classes in African-American public address, rhetoric, race, and religion. Religion, media studies, interracial communication, rhetoric and popular culture, and hip-hop studies. Uh, I met Dr. Johnson. Uh, he had read my book, and he, he just Facebooked me, and we have been friends ever since. I uh, read my book, Soul of Hip-Hop, and he is a very intelligent brother, and he's really able to capture this in, 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 in such a way because he is able to get the pulpit, the activist, and the critical thinker all up in one. And that's what I appreciate about him. So this is part one. Um, I'll introduce our next speaker on the next podcast, uh, Kathy Kong. And uh, you, hopefully you can, again, get to get a chance to hear that. And these are two, I think, very timely and important conversations that we need to be having uh, in regards to this, this national tragedy. So without any further ado, here is Dr. Andre Johnson. All right. Welcome back, folks, uh, to this special edition of profane faith uh your 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 source for religion and, and faith that are on the margins and i we usually release once a week but i had to had to release something this week with uh, the las vegas shooting and just all the rhetoric going on out there and i had to bring on one of my good friends one of my endeared colleagues dr andre johnson doctor how you doing i am well i am well thanks for having me on this uh, fabulous podcast, uh, it is a much needed uh, podcast, and in our um, in our time, uh, these are some crucial times we're living in. And brother, you are on the forefront of tackling these issues, and especially as it relates to uh, people of faith, and giving us and all people of faith another way to look at things. So, mm. brother, I want to God bless you, and and may this work. Uh, continue to be a blessing to all of us, man. Thank you. I, I really do appreciate that, man. And I know you are 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 one of the brothers that I really refer to, man. Is is just being this. I mean, you are a hundred percent African American, but you are also in this <laughs> this realm of consciousness and and wokeness, as the as the young people say, as the millennials say. And so, yeah. yeah. I really wanted to get your perspective, man, on this shooting, because there's I mean, this is nothing new. I woke up to it on Monday morning and I yeah. I saw it. And at first it took me because it was like the worst shooting ever. And I was like, wait a minute, that was the Pulse nightclub. And then it hit me. I was like, oh, crap, there's been another one. And, wow. Yeah. And, and so, you know, it's it's this new narrative we're not even new i mean that's that's not even true it's it's this narrative right of a white man but he was real nice and you know he he was a country music singer man what what were your initial thoughts as you <laughs> as you saw these saw these things come out especially compared to somebody like mike brown who was a thug a demon right 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 
Well, um, uh, first of all, let's just uh, state the obvious. Um, uh, that was a tragic and horrific shooting. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I know our prayers go out to the victims and um, the families and all that uh, were involved. Um, and it is just, again, sad. Uh, it, is, it, it speaks to the culture that we live in. Um, the ability in the state of Nevada um, to just go out and buy guns and, and, and do those type of uh, things. So, um, so yes, that's, let's say that up front. It is just a tragedy. Um, but, of course, uh, we get uh, a different kind of spin um, when um, it is a white male um, that's mm-hmm. involved in the horrific shooting. Uh, than if there was uh, anybody else. Um, I, I read um, somewhere on, on, on the web that um, people were trying to, uh, early on, connect this brother to um, um, ISIS and, and trying to say it was a Muslim time. Yeah, and one yeah. of the things we find, and, and, and I mean, if you just do a, a, just a cursory rhetorical uh, analysis on the responses to mass shootings, especially when white men are involved. Yes. One of the things that we quickly find out is that the first strategy is to try to find a reason uh, mm. why this man just lost it. And nobody <laughs> right. else gets that kind of benefit. You know, so, you know, we talk about mental illness, we talk about a connection to ISIS, we talk about all these other things, instead of the fact that here, again, is another white man with a bunch of guns shooting up a whole bunch of people. And when we, if we were serious about this, we would then look at the many times that this has happened. The many times that these white men also had issues and problems with women. Yeah. And there's a report now that, you know, there was some kind of, uh, um, you know, tension between he and his um, um, girlfriend or partner or whomever. But, but, but the point is, what you're saying uh, about, you know, looking at how the media and how all of the, uh, the, the you know, rhetoric surrounding um, somebody like a Mike Brown or somebody uh, like a Trayvon Martin and, and all, and who were victims. Yeah, yeah. You know, who are victims versus, you know, trying to humanize this guy, just a country uh, Western lover, just, you know. (laughs) uh, He did not fit. One one title was, uh, he did not fit the uh, profile. Yeah. Yeah. How come he didn't? He did. I mean, that is the profile. I mean. (laughs) Right. So, so, you know, and when, when you see this over and over and over again, you just have to ask yourself the question, are we really serious about stopping these mass shootings? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. And, 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 and if we... Hey, our new gun policy is just thoughts and prayers. Oh yeah, what well, I, I was I definitely I was going to comment on that because <laughs> one of the tweets uh, that you put out was that I mean that was just that our new gun policy is thoughts and prayers. Now how do you because I've heard this a lot and I've heard some colleagues talk a little bit about this about you know just some of the the socio religious discourse around in particular thoughts and prayers we're sending our right. prayers to you. I mean what what are your thoughts particularly on that and especially as it, uh, some of the racialized context on that as well. Right, right. I mean. Um, uh, Basically, what, what, right. I mean, after um, um, every tragic shooting, um, every mass shooting, um, we get from our politicians uh, the people that could actually probably pass some legislation to at, le- at least uh, um, um, do something. At least, you know, you can't, I mean, you know, as long as guns are in the mix, yeah, there will be some shooting. Saying that, but at least you can slow it down maybe a little. But we don't even do that. <laughs> the only thing that we say is like thoughts and prayers. Our thoughts and prayers go out, and pretty much, you know, I made that comment on Twitter as a as a as a a, a critique 
on what it is that we uh, do when it when when we come to these mass tragedies. Because first of all, I think we're so frustrated we don't feel like there's nothing we can do. And then number two, we want to fall back on the piety of our uh, you know religion. And I am reminded of another post that uh, a good friend of mine. Um, Pete Gackey, who is now the dean of Memphis Theological Seminary, mm, okay. he, he, he um, a quote where he shares scripture, the New International Version from Isaiah one and fifteen, mm. um, when um, as a as a response to thoughts and prayers, and it simply says, "When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer many prayers, I am not listening." your hands are full of blood. Wow. Wow. So if we are going to uh, uh, talk about faith, or we're going to talk about religion, especially Christianity version of, of, the, uh, of faith, uh, uh, is there something that God is trying to tell us uh, when we just offer just these you know, uh, ubiquitous thoughts and prayers? And do we even think about them? And do we even pray? I mean... Because I would like to believe that if we were seriously praying that God, through the Holy Spirit, will would share some insight on what we can do as a community and as a um, nation to, to eradicate some of this uh, mass shooting. It's amazing that mass shootings like this don't happen nowhere else in the, in the world other than America. Yeah, yeah. And that should tell us something right there. Well, and I mean, I think it 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 speaks to this unspoken, this unspoken current of violence that we have in this country. That is really right. we have a lust for. It. And when I say we, I'm talking collectively. I mean, there's a lust for violence. And but but <laughs> the caveat is, uh -huh. is that if we as black folk were to arm ourselves and, and, and show up to Charlottesville with, with, with uh, shields and helmets and, and, and right. big, big guns, you already know what right. the response would be. Right. So, I mean, and, exactly. this, and this, and this stems from, I had a conversation with a, a family member just about a week ago. Um, and they were saying how, well, you know, after nine 11, I really had a chance to learn about middle East people whatever whoever middle east people are right now this is some <laughs> now keep in mind this is somebody who who voted for trump and is still defending him as a president of the united states um right and they were like well you know um you know it, it just it just really it dawned on me just how little regard they have for life in the middle east and they just value life mm -hmm. differently and i'm like wait a minute um what about <laughs> really value life. And then of course, a week later we have some dude from the 30 some odd floor shooting people right. and taking them out. Like it ain't wow. nothing, man. So I tell you, it, mm -hmm. go ahead, go ahead, come break it down. No, no, go ahead. You finish your hand. Go ahead. No, I just going to say, I mean, he's like, so, so what does this say? I mean, I guess I'm trying to get my head around a couple of different things and, and I don't know because it's like, I live on the west side of Chicago, and if you know anything about geography, ter terrain, particularly those of you listen, the west side of Chicago, Austin neighborhood, you know, it's it's rough. I mean, it's it's hood, okay? Right. But mm -hmm. I don't feel, I know what's coming at me in the hood. I know I know my peoples. Now, my little girl, God bless her, she, she loves horses. We tried soccer, baseball, softball, all that stuff. She didn't want to do any of that stuff. She wants to ride horses. Okay. So in Chicago, you got to go out to the suburbs. When I'm in the suburbs... It's a different time of type of visceral feel that I get from white folks. Like, what are you doing here? Why are you right. here in our community? You know, and right. I feel like, man, is am I going to be another brother that shows up on CNN or MSNBC? You know, professor at North Park University shot and killed because his music was too right. too loud. Right. So, so what is I mean, our, go ahead. Yes, tell, get, no, get no, it. No, I, I, I mean, I hear you. I hear you. And so the question becomes. And I think you laid it out perfectly. The question really becomes, um, Dan, what what would it look like if African Americans could say openly and honestly, you know, when I'm in um, some of these suburbs or when I'm in uh, proximity to a lot of white people and we just hanging out, 
I really fear for my life. Yeah. Because I am more likely, you know, I mean, in, in those type of settings that somebody there has a concealed weapon that could just jump off and pop off at any, at any uh, um, given time. What if, what if we can really begin to, 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 to think about, you know, hey, you, you brought up earlier about black people and guns and tiki torches. And what if, could I even have an opportunity to buy as many guns as <laughs> right. in Las Vegas. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, so so I go to one gun store. I might can get one, maybe two. <laughs> right. But, but when I try to go three, four, five, six, I'm on somebody's list. Exactly. And that's the point we're trying to make. Whiteness, whiteness as an ideology, okay. is killing not only black folk, but white folk. Because... You can do that because white folk are still hiding behind their whiteness and being secure in it, thinking that nothing could happen like that to them or it should not happen and it don't supposed to happen. That should happen only in the hood. Right. And when it does happen, everybody is shocked. Right. And you're shocked so much that you cannot even think your way out because and maybe this is it. You, you're helping me think about this a little bit. Maybe the reason why Congress has not passed other than the NRA, you know, got their thumb on them and, and you know, everybody's scared of the NRA. But oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe the other reason is more philosophical. Maybe because to do something is to admit that we have been hiding behind this shield of whiteness mm. for so long that even that, hey, this is just random. This person right here was 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 uh, um, mentally ill, and right. and you know, as long as you're not mentally ill, you don't have to uh, worry about it. You can get as many guns as you want. And the point is, in Nevada, anybody can get a gun. You don't even have to register them. You don't have to have a gun permit. You don't have to do it. Guns are like. Candy and 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 not in Nevada. You can just go in and uh, need a gun. <laughs> just want to get a gun. And this brother, now he's talking about economics. The brother had enough money, right? Right. The means, the economic means. Buy, so he gets the means to buy all of his guns. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like when your fantasies, when you have enough money or enough means to live out your fantasy? Wow. Oh wow! So that's all cult and whiteness as well. So I mean, just, I mean, you know, this, this is this is major stuff. But let me let me also say this, brother. I, I, I tell you the truth. Yeah. Uh, I'm re- I'm pessimistic about anything changing because let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, if, if Congress, if if Congress getting shot at, members of Congress getting shot at at a baseball field, then move them. It's twenty plus white children. Hear yeah. me now. Yeah, yeah. Then move them in Newtown. They was gonna. I don't think this will move them either. I just knew they were gonna move after Newtown. Oh, but you couldn't even get a background check, which would have, which would have, you know, been just small and modest. Trying to close up the loopholes in the gun show, but you know you couldn't even get that through. Right after twenty children, when the babies can't persuade you or move you, <laughs> then what? Well, and you raise an interesting thought here because okay, so now that you now that you in this, because this is something that I've been trying to think through and, and think about because <laughs> in so much of of evangelicalism, especially U.S. evangelical theology. Um, and I'm not even talking about white churches. I'm talking about black and brown. I'm talking about CCDA, Christian Community Development Association. I'm talking about right. these these particular organizations, right, that have talked about, okay, we need to reconcile with our brothers and sisters, particularly with our white brothers and sisters. We need to come together, you know, and, and you hear this type kind of um, almost a, a, a false negative of, 
unity that that people want to have to come together. And I'm just like, how can you reconcile? How can you come to somebody who already who doesn't even want your being to exist, who doesn't exactly. even want you to be on this earth? And see, because this is the thing. Yes, I disagree with most of conservatism. Yes, I disagree with most of what GOP is like. They out to lunch. I'm just like, I don't they I'm like, gosh, <laughs> dogs. But I don't want them dead. I don't want them off the planet. I don't want to see them massacred. Right. Con- conversely, right. though, and this is one of the projects I'm working on, too, Doc, and I'm hoping to have this out hopefully in the next six or seven months. But looking at the rhetoric and and and, and discourse, particularly um, some of the dog whistles, quote unquote, that the alt right has been coming up with, um, really for the last two years, and so I've been in some of those chat rooms and some of those areas, and 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 just kind of trying to understand, like, okay, what's going on? But it is a deep sense of hatred, and these aren't people who are like the tattoos and the shaved heads. These are businessmen. These are police right. officers. These are fire chiefs. These are people who who we have put in charge of, quote unquote, our law enforcement. And now, how am I supposed to go and reconcile with that? And so, I'll be honest with you too, Doc. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think about that, and as a Christian, I'm like, what does that mean? What does that What does that look like? What does my faith right. look like in that type of hostility? If that makes sense. Right. No, no, no. That makes perfect sense because you know, as as you know, I've been working on on, on this too with this whole white church quiet um, yes. thing that I've been been working on and, um, and, and been developing. Um, well, first of all, I am, I am one um, of the people that um, really, I, what's the word I really want to use? I, I don't um, um, think that uh, racial reconciliation is possible simply because um, we were never reconciled in the first place. You can reconcile with somebody that you've been in a relationship with and the relationships break, and then you can get back together. You and I can have a falling out. Um, a year from now, we can reconcile. Yeah. Let's reconciliate. Yeah. Uh, uh, tell me a period when the races were together. Well, I mean, like, we were, like, cool. I, I, you just give me that period, then maybe I can look at this and I can change my opinion. When we talk about racial reconciliation, what we are actually talking about is um, um, coming together and not challenging white folk on their whiteness. As long yeah. as we can just get along, then, you know, everything could be all right. So racial reconciliation, um, I don't, you know, really subscribe to anyway. Uh, because I think in order for this, we need to consile first. We need to admit that we have never been together, that the faith, in America, at least, the evangelical faith in America is grounded, bred, tattooed, whatever word you want to use, on the backs of slavery. Yeah. And that's where all of that, that's where the theology comes out of. And um, um, we still got a lot of that going on um, today. So, so, yes, I'm not surprised at all that, um, and, and, and that, you know, when you go to these chat rooms and you hear these, these folk talking about, and they claim to be followers of Jesus and want to annihilate everybody, right? Right. So, so going back to the violence piece, what would it look like if we re-examine our violent rhetoric in our theology? Ooh. So, you know, that's a whole other podcast, right? <laughs> that's a whole other, like, you know, podcast. But, but when... Uh, political scientists and posters started to drill down and look at the 2016 election. Hey, yeah, um, 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 check me as one of the ones that were not surprised when we found out that Trump's support was not just, you know, rural, uh, quote, unquote, hick folk in rural America chewing tobacco and, and uneducated. Right. That much of his support were business owners, people yep. in powerful positions, people at universities, teachers, professors, doctors, and look, because whiteness is total, it is all over 
And as many times people are tracking this and saying, oh, each generation is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, as uh, um, the folks say that um, Jane Crow and Jim Crow had some grandchildren, and they're still (laughs) around. Yes. And it is continuing over and over and over again. I mean, people are coming to campuses. Um, The alt-right are just, you know, proudly um, pronouncing what they believe on campuses right now, recruiting, and anybody that's disaffected or anybody that feels like he or she has been left out, um, um, again, hiding behind their whiteness, not understanding the full picture, they are targeted to join this this type of movement. So, I I mean, brother, it is going to take a major work, um, um, a major, for the church at least, it's going to take major confessing and you, you, talking about, and, and this other thing, you know, everybody talks about, you know, I know you get this a lot too. Why you got to make everything about race or about race or about race? <laughs> I know right. racism is still around, but everything is not race. And I just ask the person, I say, will you please tell me then? Will you please tell me the next incident was it a race thing, quote unquote, to you? Or can you give me an example of some racism? And usually they cannot. There was disagreement from your president, brother, about <laughs> the, the the folk in Charlottesville. Right. There was, right. you know, there was violence on both sides. Right. I mean, yeah. So and, and, get, and find we people. Can't even agree. <laughs> if we, right. If we can't even agree as a church that that was the epitome of racist behavior, racist performance. Racism, hmm. like awful, you know, racism. Then we are in trouble. Hmm. We are definitely in trouble because if that can't even we can't even agree on that, then you know, right? Um, we can't even move. We can't move forward on anything. I mean, even George Bush Sr., after the uh, Rodney King verdict and stuff, man, was like, well, I don't know if I agree with that either. I mean, you know, even somebody <laughs> like, like him who voted against the Civil right. Rights Act in 64, you know what I'm saying? I mean, there there was a sense of like, oh, well, maybe this is kind of messed up. So, but, you know, but you got, yes, you have a leader of, quote unquote, the free world who is sitting there right. talking about fine people on both sides, you know what I mean? And so, I mean, for, <laughs> it... I mean, and, and, and that and that's the thing. It's like I used to define white supremacy and, you know, we go in on it and stuff and I'd be like, yeah, but those extreme groups I'm not talking about, the Klan, neo-Nazis and people. Oh, yes, yes, yes. But now those cats are front and center with what we're talking right. about. And I can't even I'll be honest with you again. I'm not I know it just looks like it's sour grace, but it really isn't. But there's no one in his administration that I can look at and be like, OK, that person's got a sane a sane head, they'll at least be able to think through. I'm just like, man, DeVos is horrible. I'm like, right, how right. does, you know what I'm saying? I mean, who wants to privatize everything? You got, I'm not sure where Ben Carson at. I don't know how this brother became a neurosurgeon. I'm like, I don't know how <laughs> what he passed, what he did. Right, <laughs> but I'm like, gosh, dog, he's batshit crazy, man. <laughs> so, well, let's, let's, well, let's uh, briefly just talk about ethics. What does it look like then yeah. for you to even the position in the Trump administration. Okay, um, yeah. When you know, we, I mean, when you know who he is, I mean, you could hide behind, well, you know, I knew him back in the day, and he was cool, and we never had these issues before, but Trump has showed all his cards now. All of Trump them. has showed all his cards. And, and so for you to steal when a position is open, to, you know, can you ethically take that position? And, and and to do the things that we already know Trump wants you to do, right? You, right. you know, he wants 100% loyalty. He wants you to tell the world how, him and the world, how great he is on a daily He will call his cabinet together, have the cameras rolling, and go around the table and have folks, you know, shouting out his praises. <laughs> and, and so, I mean, you get, I mean, you, you get what you ask for, I guess, and you ask for what you get. I mean, you, you, this is what <laughs> you have, man. So, so man, you can't even, you know, deal with that. But I'm going to tell you what, though, 
Trump, um, uh, uh, don't, I mean, I got a hashtag going now, don't sleep on Trump, because what Trump <laughs> is doing is what Bannon said that they were going to do anyway. Right, right. Of the government. Yes. He talked about Ben Carson. Ben Carson is doing, Ben Carson is not doing anything, but destroying HUD, just re- removing, look at what they're doing to um, uh, Obamacare. Right. Uh, 100 million budget for advertisement is go- shrinking down to 10. There is nothing on the website. There's no promotion of the enrollment period. They are trying to kill it from within so he can make an announcement. See, see, it is failing. It is failing. I told you it was going to fail. We need a new health policy. Right. Insurance companies are raising rates in certain parts of the country because they have not even gotten paid because the payments are coming in. So he is trying to kill it from the inside. And this is what this I hope that if, if nothing else, this election teaches us that, man, listen, you, my brothers and sisters that are out there that want to really talk about visionary, uh, have a visionary politics, I'm with that. I, can, I, I know that. But, man, you've got to have folks in power that you can work with. You cannot say that Clinton and Trump are the same. Right. You cannot do that or not vote or, 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 or participate in a third-party vote or whatever when the risk is what we're getting right now. Right. You just can't do it because he has all the power. He has all the control. He does what he wants to do at any time he wants to do it. And... There's really nothing or no one that can stop him. Right. He would do, everybody they have brought up, uh, oh, General Kelly now is going to be the, and the last time I saw him, uh, he had his head uh, in his hand when Trump was speaking at the U.N. I mean, he was like, oh, Lord. (laughs) Right. But, dude, you got, that's what you get. So, man, uh uh-uh, no way, no way. Well, no, I mean, we got to be better. We got to be smarter. We got to um, 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 use uh, our political savvy. And let me just add, we got to follow black women. Black women were on it. Ninety four. All right. Come on. Black women tried to save us, man. I mean, you know, uh, uh, right. And, and, and white betrayed us again because white women in that election. Yeah. Uh, uh, went to Trump. So, you know, hey. We, we just have to do better. We got to be better and, 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 and that and look at the big picture. The big picture is who are going to be appointed in these positions and how government is going to be run. Yeah. People who run against the government, who say the government is the problem, should not be in government. That would be the equivalent <laughs> of me saying university. I mean, you know, if I, no, if I say something to the effect that, um, 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 universities or, uh, uh, you know, churches, I'm going to try to close all churches, but yet still I'm still a pastor getting paid by a church. That don't even make any sense. <laughs> you know, I can have some critique, but I won't try to shut down everything. <laughs> but we know some people who tell us that the government is the problem, we're going to make government smaller, but as long as I'm getting my check, my pension, my benefits, and all the stuff that I'm supposed to get from the government, then it's okay. Oh, right. come on, man. Right. We got to be smarter than that. Man, and that, oh, man, this, I, I know, I know we're at time, man, but this is, there's so much stuff that you said in there. And I mean, and I think you, in, in particular with, with, with Bannon, I mean, I think people have slept on Bannon because they, oh, well, he's out. I'm like, look. Yes. If you do, I mean, just there's plenty of stuff just on Frontline that they put out. I love Frontline, man. You can stream this right now on Stephen Bannon, man. This dude has openly said, I want to crash the government. The government, and, and, we, and, and he's openly talked about, let's bring on Armageddon. Yet this guy was advising Trump. And in, right. in his first exit interview, he's talking about, now I know even more. Now I'm glad because I can go back and do, basically, I can go do what I want to do. And, you know, I'm kind of rile up these all these militias and stuff, man. That's why I'm just like, I'm like, okay, 
is now is this the time to be like moving to the the UK or maybe maybe I should go to Canada now because uh, you know are we gonna because these are the folks who are running our government and who has openly right. said Spanish has openly said I want to recreate a nation in our image. I mean these are his words. Right. So what do you do with it? I mean, so <laughs> right. what, what, what do we say? Oh, he's playing, or he's just joking, right? Or that not happen. I don't believe that. You know, and another thing, uh, since we're talking about ethics a little bit now, I am really uh, 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 in, in some places uh, torn. Uh, even though I do go out and I'm, you know, I'm still active in. Uh, protesting and resisting, absolutely, and, you and are doing all of that. Yeah, but but I'm really torn, especially as it relates to some policies from the administration, because one of the things I need to start hearing, you know, uh, for my own just benefit. This is just me now. You know, I I know. See you, see you, real say, brother Hodge, and you know you get. <laughs> You know, and you, 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 you got your stuff straight, man. Yeah. But I still got the rough edges, brother. I, 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 I need some prayer. Oh, but, but maybe right. I need to start hearing some apologies. I need to mm. start hearing some some open apologies from Trump supporters mm. who had some appreciation, just a little bit, for the people who have been going out saving them, as well as all of us. And what I mean is by this, those two health policies, uh, uh, you know, the GOP Congress tried to pass. Yeah, yeah. That would have been disastrous for the nation, but especially for many Trump supporters. Yeah. Look, I'm in Tennessee. I know them. I see them. They are uh, uh, elderly. They are on Medicaid. They're on Medicare. They're sick. Uh, they need uh, prescription drugs. You know, we down here in the South, uh, um, uh, we fry everything. So uh, a few of us maybe are just a pound or two overweight, <laughs> right? So we need these type of these these this this type of um, um, help. Yeah. And here I am, out here, you know, trying to, and along with other people, many of them who did not support Trump, but the ones who supported Trump sitting back at home. And I'm afraid what they're thinking is that, look, they said that Trump was going to mess up uh, health care. I'm still getting my benefits. Right. Yeah, because a bunch of folk went out <laughs> and shot it and, and called their Congress representative yep. and senator. Yep. And you think, oh, the point I'm just trying to make here is that, you know, a little appreciation and some apologies are needed because Listen, it is a shame that you got to fight for what you thought you already had in a law that already passed. I mean, this is a constant battle. And now the tax reform bill is going to come up. And again, people are going to be trying to call it because you're going to balloon the deficit. You're going to give huge tax breaks to the 1%ers again. And they are on record saying... This is why we supported you. We want our tax cuts. And we all know by now that trickle-down economics don't work, never work. Because what people do is when they get extra money at the top, they hold on to it. They they don't reinvest. They don't try to get another. They don't expand. They just sit on it. Corporations (laughs) are sitting on the most money right now as we speak. Then they, and then, uh, then uh, uh, in the last, what, what was it, 30 or 40 years, they have, they could do these type of things if they want, right. but they don't. They just sit on it. And they yeah. get more break. I tell you what, brother, I, 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 you want a real stimulus plan, uh, 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 forgive some of the student debt. There you go. That people have. That, that would be an immediate uh, stimulus package. Um, uh, if you really want to do, invest into some of the roads and bridges and all of our infrastructure that we have issues with that we always, always and already know is bad. That we, those are lifetime type of jobs, man. Those are generational jobs. 
But what, 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 again, when we don't do stuff like that, then I have to ask myself in my prophetic pessimism mode, uh, do we really care? Yeah. Are we really serious yeah. about it? And I don't really think we're serious about this. I think that certain people, um, for Trump supporters who are rich, um, who are in power, Trump is doing exactly what they want him to do. The Congress is doing exactly what they, uh, what they want them to do, and everything is fine. It's just for the folk at the bottom, man, uh, it's going to be tough. And uh, as long as Trump can throw out um, some of those racial um, uh, well, landmines, if you will, talk about the NFL players and kneeling and, and get us to debate back and forth, uh, Congress um, can pass a 20-week, um, uh, you know, what is it, a 20-week um, banning, uh, a 20-week deal on abortion, and and um, which ever, which a lot of people think is going to be unconstitutional. But do we really know that? Yeah. Who, who makes that yeah. decision, right? So, right. I mean, Supreme Court is in play. We got gerrymandering coming up. We got affirmative action coming up. I mean, these are issues, man. Uh, I've been reading a lot of 19th century um, um, speeches and writings uh, from um, the four parents because I want to know what did they do living in the time because, you know, I think we are closely um, coming to 19th century times as it relates to uh, uh, race, as it relates to uh, people in power, uh, a, um, a, a, a super class of, uh, rich folk kind of like running uh, um, the um, running the country. So what? What? How do we survive? What is it that we need to do? And that's the question I've been wrestling with. So I've been going back to the to the four parents and trying to figure out what did they do. Wow, man, brother, this is uh, man, this is good. This is good. A lot, definitely, a lot to digest. I mean, that's why exactly why I wanted to get you on this, man, because. There's so much, and I know we could just keep going, man, because there's, yeah, there's so much over, you know, overlapped onto this as well. You know, it's like, you know, GOP wants to blame the Democrats. You know, the Democrats are just still trying to get back in power, and it's like, oh, man, I mean, it, it seems like it's just a big, fat mess. And, it, you, you know, you just ask yourself, like, man, God, dogs, I mean, you know, what does change look like moving forward? But I dang sure know that the tactics that even tactics that might have worked even 10, 15 years ago are we're, we're in a different era. And I feel like we're we're in a new space where I think we're trying to figure out what, you know, what what is the what does the momentum forward look like, um, particularly for people of color? Because you're right. I mean, and and and, and poor disenfranchised white people. Right. I mean, because I think, like you just said, they they stand to lose a lot, except they just they don't know it yet. They don't they don't know it yet. They think, oh, OK, right. I'm, I'm, I'm I can benefit relatively um, speaking, you know, from my whiteness and it's like, that's them. It's them people. It's these DACA people. It's these folks who come here illegally. They're taking my jobs and stuff. It's like, no fool. Them jobs have been gone, been gone. Right. 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 There you, know, you go. We're I not. Mean, yeah. We're not going well, back to coal. <laughs> <laughs> but as long, um, uh, um, as long as Trump is counting yeah. that, hey, cold jobs are coming back. Right. And I need something that, you know, I need something to kind of um, uh, put my hope in. Right. Right? I, because I, I, I'm afraid. I, I can't do nothing else. Um, I mean, and, and my pastor side really just want to reach out. I mean, because... Part of that is just, you know, um, people, I know some people take advantage of that, and that's wrong. Yeah. You should not take advantage, you know. Don't take advantage of your brother or sister just because they've been working in the field uh, all day long and they're hungry and they're coming in, in the house and looking for food and you promise to cook them something. But, you know, unless you give me your birthright, I'm not going to feed you. You know, that's, that's <laughs> not, you know. <laughs> It's, see, see, and I throw in a biblical story just to let, let the viewers know that I'm not a total heretic. You know? That's, <laughs> right. That's right. That brother's in birthright. He's like, all right, man. 
Oh, man. Well, and, you know, here's the thing, brother. I mean, um, I think so much of this, I do, I've do. i been been working on this whole Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel's chapter 3, 4, and 5. And speaking of Bible and Old, you know, Old Testament, man. And so I think about it, because I think you even mentioned it, like, at best, you know, um, we right. have, you know, in Trump a Nebuchadnezzar, like, at best, you know, it's like, so... <laughs> Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think about this, this, this love of empire. I mean, right. I mean, that goes to the flag and people kneeling down and, and, you know, now you got, uh, you know, even Fox news taking, uh-huh. a, taking another swing at black folks. Like, you know, during this tragedy in Las Vegas, you know, I saw people running towards the danger in a time when people are taking a knee for the flag. And I'm like, really, you gotta, right. you, you gotta, you gotta say that, right. You just gotta put that out there. So I, I I don't know, man. I, I it, it gets me with this because all of this stuff ties back, right, to patriotism. And, you know, you got Bill O'Reilly saying, you know, hey, this is just the this is just the the price of, of being a free country. And you just gotta pay and yeah. stuff, man. Right. And and, and that well, and, and again, I go back to my original statement that um our national policy uh, on gun massacres is thoughts and prayer. I mean that that's the equivalent of hey, this is we just have to put up with this. We this is what we the price of uh, being a free um, country, and you know it was all right that he owned all of these weapons and um, and modified his guns to shoot uh, all those rounds within a minute, and you know hey. Um, just be careful the next time when you're out there. You know, yeah. All right. I mean that <laughs> right. that's the that right. is the sentiment of what you just summed up there. You know, yes, you know, you gotta be careful. And okay, fine, okay, that's what we gonna that's where we are as a country. We are in and 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 my heart almost goes out as well too to some of the legislators who know that right. they are bald I mean they're frustrated. I won't say bald. That's too strong a word. But but maybe uh, uh, influenced by the NRA and knowing that the NRA is not going to budge. Right. Not the leadership. They're not budging. You can't even reason with them and say, "Can we? <laughs> can we please NRA? Don't come after me if I say that the modifications on the guns that we should not have." They were talking about there. It. it <laughs> Brother, they were talking about the Congress was already in discussion about silencers when this happened. <laughs> right. 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 I mean, so <laughs> imagine that, that you can get silencers now. How many more people would have been dead if you couldn't hear the gunshots? Right. People just falling over, <laughs> just keeling over. And, you know, you, hey, just got to be careful. You know, you never know. Gotta look up, look up, heads up. You know, I mean, that, I mean, that's just it. I mean, and that's what I keep telling folks. I mean, I, it, it baffles my mind how folks can continue to support somebody like this. I mean, and you think about it. I mean, again, going back to Trump, you know, on this whole thing, it's like you got this mass shooting. Then you got Puerto Rico. You know, that's a whole nother podcast. Just just on Puerto Rico, you know, and you got this fool. I mean, it's almost laughable that this this fool is throwing throwing paper towels and goods at the Puerto Rican people. Like, for real? Right. For real? Uh, (laughs) And and again, you know, I've been putting out, and I've been trying to get people to to see this as well. As you know, I'm a rhetorician, and I study um, texts, and um, I do rhetorical criticism and analysis, and and I look at um, um, performance as well. So, I've been playing, I've been out there on um, Twitter and uh, Facebook um, just getting people to think about the fact that this is the other side to the presidency. Presidency, commander-in-chief, but also in times like this, he or she uh, acts as a priest or pastor-in-chief. Okay. This is the person that's supposed to come along and offer words of encouragement, uh, offer a sympathetic listening ear, you know, tell the people that are suffering that we're working together, we're all in this, there's no Democrats, there's no Republicans, we're going to get you back on your feet. Trump is just not, that's not how he is wired. He is incapable of that. And uh, and we get it over and over and over again. Um, 
and when he feels attacked, mm-hmm. right? Even if it's just you know what, what I, I just wish more ships would be able. To, he he attacked back, and 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 then the relationship is just broken. It's just nothing. So, so I mean, what? So then again, like I said in twenty twenty, what does it look like then for the president? Uh, during this 2020 election, what would it look like then to see presidents um, as these pastors or priests in chief to come to comfort? And, and I think we need to look at that because um, um, the president, I mean, everybody in the administration follows the lead from the president. So if the president gets on the phone, and orders, you know, uh, you know, so and so to go out and do this. That yeah. person is going to do it. But Trump is not doing it because Trump, you know, he, it's all about him. And you know, so I don't know. I don't know. It, it's just, it, it is just something that, um, and, and you know what? It's a big contrast from who we had versus to who we have now. Right, and I think that um, you know Obama is just going to go up a notch or two simply because Trump has been elected. You know, and when we do the history and all of that, uh, I, I think people, you know, are, are are looking at even Republicans are saying, you know, well, I might not agree with Obama, um, but at least he did the um, ceremonial things right. You know, he didn't throw paper towels at. Uh, folk at Newtown, you know, and right, and, and tell them that you know it could have been a lot worse. You know, <laughs> I mean, and and I think for me too, man. I mean, I think you know when we when at least I look at it, I'm just like, man, that reeks of. I mean, when he talks about Puerto Rico and talks about. Oh, you know, it could have been worse. I mean, that's that's been a constant white narrative to people of color. It's like, man, uh, you want to you want everything given to you. You don't want to work for it. You know, it's like, hey, it could have been a lot worse. It's like, what what are you crying about? It's like, you know, but, you know, as soon as 9-11 hits, it's like, oh, man, you know, never forget. And, um, you know, we wouldn't, you know, we going, you know, what I'm saying we're going to have these memorial services. And where were you at when this happened? And it just becomes more and more difficult it's like, you know, somebody sent out this thing. I won't name who it is. An evangelical organization out of Fuller sent out this email right after the shootings and how to talk with your kids, you know, about this. And I'm just like, OK, I'm talking with young people. I've been talking about this, but so many of them, Doc, are reaching a point that they're just numb. They're like, look, no one cares about when we get killed. No one cares about when another black body or another brown body is is on the street. What makes you think I'm going to just just all of a sudden be traumatized because 50 plus people got killed? I mean, that doesn't affect me. And this goes all the way back to when I was even working with kids, even after the Columbine, um, you know, tragedy and stuff, man. Students were just like, we've had school shootings a a whole bunch, but no one's done anything. And now all of a sudden we want to, you know, take advantage of it. And so, again, you're absolutely right. I'm, you know, it, it, this is a national tragedy. I mean, and it should be. We should mourn a lot. I mean, no one should, no one should have their loved one, you know, taken away from them like that. No one. Uh, but that right. that also stands for black and brown bodies as well, man. Philando Castile was saying, "I have a gun. I'm doing what the law has told me to do," <laughs> and this brother gets opened up, right. man. And, 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 and again, um. Can um, black people assert their Second Amendment rights? That's the question. I mean, so so it's almost like okay, you know, um, I saw where gun sales went up, gun stocks went up after the shooting. So uh, let's say I want to go in and get me a gun, and I got me a gun. I'm in Tennessee, and I can um, conceal carry in Tennessee if I have a gun permit. So I get a gun permit. I can see or carry, but if I get pulled over and then tell the cop, well, as my, the training tells us to say, hey, I am a licensed uh, gun owner. I have a gun permit. Right. I am showing you, I'm going to show you my gun permit. And if I get shot because the cop fears for his life, because I'm a black man um, with a gun, that I told, and the only way he knew that is because I told him that. I mean, 
So you can't even get, even in in open carry states like Ohio, <laughs> when the brother uh, gets shot in the Walmart and then when Tamir Rack, you don't even get the benefit of the doubt, man. None. So that's what I'm saying. None. That's the crux. That is why whiteness is just is, is total, because you don't even get the benefit of the doubt right. in those type of situations. Right. And, again, you got a lot of shooting going on, right? In Vegas, a whole lot of people start running. I wonder how many people got tackled by police and questioned because they were running. Right. A lot like a Bennett. Right. So, so, I, so it's, just, it's just so ironic, man. It's almost as if, like, you know, we are getting an opportunity to check our own biases, and we don't. We don't do the work, the inward journeys. If, if, if we were serious as a church and as a church people and as people of faith, we should all, we should, the next conference should be the inward journey conference where we don't say anything. We just go in a room and we ask ourselves these tough questions like, why, why, why is it that I am, uh, I think the way that I think about yeah. black people? Yeah. Why do I think this way about certain type of folk? Why is it like, and, and come up with some real logistical, real reasons. And if you can't, don't make up in it. Just confess at that moment that I've been tricked by the demon or the <laughs> right. demonic spirit, that you want to call it, of whiteness and the ideology of whiteness, and just say, I confess and I need help. Woo! But we don't do that. Wow. So if we really want to talk now, evangelical style, I got to have an altar call, bro. <laughs> I can bring them to the, Let's bring a lay down whiteness today. Wow. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> wow, that's you know we're not doing it though. We, we won't we won't do that. So, um, uh, so we 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 keep on doing what we're doing, and um, we keep fearing people that we should not fear. Right, and we keep giving benefit of the doubt of the people who are shooting and killing us. I was trying to tell a police officer real quick um, when we were out protesting that um, the Confederate statutes um, here in the city of Memphis. And I was calmly just trying to tell the police officer who were always just checking us for weapons and wanting to make sure that we didn't have any. Yeah. The sons of Confederacy were right across the way. And I said, we know that they carry because they tell you that they open and carry. Right. But you're not going over there and working with them. Are you afraid? Wow. Because they do have, you know that we don't. And that you can just, you know, take all of your frustration out on us. No, no, it's not like that. I just want to make sure everybody's safe. I said, do you know that you are statistically more likely to be shot and killed by that group over there than anybody in our group? That just look at all the police shooting and just look at who shot who, and you will see that it is usually a conservative white person that had some some uh, ties to maybe the alt-right or whomever, but they're not Black Lives Matter. They're not the people that you would So whiteness is that you were blinding cops and getting cops hurt because they are walking up to those folks thinking that they are cool, and then what happens is that they get into an altercation, and they are getting into altercations with us. So, I mean, this... This is what's happening. And if until we just say, listen, openly confess, let's move from this and then act upon it, yeah. we're going to stay in this, this stalemate uh, mm. forever and a day. Mm. Ooh, Dr. Andre Johnson, brother, you have brought it. I thank you so much, okay. man. This is, this is, this was really good. This was really good. Um, I, I I can't even man I can't even say anything to that man I mean I just think as you're talking I'm, my mind's just going my mind's just racing I'm just like man I just yeah I mean this, this yeah this is good this is good um where can people find you at uh, where where they want to connect with you and and as always I always put these in the show notes well I'm on Facebook um it's just Andre Johnson I should just pop up if you just search Andre Johnson. 
My Twitter handle is A.E. Johnson, Ph.D. That's A.E. Johnson, Ph.D. I'm also on Instagram as well, too. I think it's A.E. Johnson uh, on A.E. Johnson on Instagram. I do want to shout out real quick the R3 blog, yes, Rhetoric, please. Race, Religion. The Rhetoric, Race, and Religion blog. If you just Google that, it's the first thing that pops up. Check us out. Follow the blog. Uh, a very interesting content uh, content uh, on the blog. Uh, we are going through some uh, major revamping of the blog so uh, as well. So um, you will be just in time to see some of the uh, new stories and new uh, articles and posts on the blog. So please follow the blog. And um, I believe that is it, my brother. Man, that's that's beautiful, man. Yeah, I'm glad you talked about the R3 blog. Yeah, I, like I said, and for everyone listening, um, I will post these in the show notes, and you can uh, take a look at it at whitehodgepodcast.com. If you are on iTunes or whatever, we are there. Subscribe, rate us. That would be good. Um, new episodes weekly. But this one, I we just uh, we had to we had to do something with this, and I knew I knew I had to come to you and talk with you about this. So thanks so much for coming on, brother. Thank you, and. Um and God bless, and uh, may God continue to bless this podcast, and may it be a blessing again to all that listen and hear and share. Amen. God bless, my brother. Amen, amen. And I looked over to my right where this girl had been standing right beside me. She grabbed her stomach. She looked at her hands, her hands are bloody, and she just kind of screamed, and she just fell back. Oh, things are different when you're out with your buddies. So, 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 so